with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we'll have half an hour of business news and analysis. On today's show, tourism miracle in Chinese Ai City Harbin helped drive the local economy, and China plans to facilitate common prosperity through greater digital economy. And now let's begin with our top story. The Chinese ice and snow city Harbin is seeing an unprecedented influx of tourists. Many people from warmer parts of the country are flocking to the frosty north. Some have never seen snow and are paying to experience a freezing winter. Our correspondent Chen Mengfei reports. The city has been trending on Chinese social media for the past few weeks, and this, the icy slide, is the holy grail for these pilgrims behind me. They're queuing for up to six hours. How long did you queue for? Five hours. It's worth it? Yes, I'd say it's worth it. Where are you from? I'm from Jiangxi. Wow, that's far. Yes, very far. I took a plane. So how do you like Harbin? The north is, after all, different from the south, so it's worthwhile to come. So to see this amount of ice and snow, and especially how everything is crafted, and imagining how many people have worked here, how many hours have gone into building all of this, and it's happening every year, it's very impressive. It is super impressive. Do you know where they got this ice? Uh, I would expect from the river because earlier I saw one ice cube with a little fish inside was frozen. No way! Yeah, yeah. I'm real happy. During these epidemic years, my hometown had few visitors. Now, finally, people have come. The more, the merrier. Tales of Harbin's incredible hospitality reflected in the municipality's public thank you letter to its southern guests have been the amusement de jour on the internet. Locals joke they've never been treated like this, and they feel like strangers in their own town. During the New Year's holiday, Harbin says it hosted more than three million tourists, who brought in almost six billion yuan revenue. That's about 840 million U.S. dollars. While Harbin's going viral, it's not alone in seeing a significant rebound in tourists in the first New Year since COVID pandemic measures were lifted in China. I really think Harbin's boom is not an isolated phenomenon. From Zibo to Harbin, these domestic destinations did not become popular because they are cheap. Rather, it's about consumers pursuing something beyond the ordinary, something with cultural characteristics. A small variety show has been organized for southern tourists venturing from Harbin to Mohe, some 1,000 kilometers away, by rail. This is our effort to be innovative. To let southern passengers truly feel the warm and bold personalities of our northeastern people. Never did I think I would one day be clubbing with Cantonese aunties on a train en route to China's northernmost city, but that is the magic of northeastern China. Chen Longfei, CGTN, Harbin in Heilongjiang Province. 
For more on this, join us on the line now are Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novem Archi Technologies, Yan Liang, Professor of Economics, Willamette University, and also Andy Mark, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization. So Jiahe, I will start with you. So during the New Year's holiday, Harbin actually hosted more than 3 million tourists who brought in almost 6 billion yuan in revenue. So what do you think has made the city so popular for the tourists this year? Well, that's quite amazing because if you look at the tourism industry in China in the past few years, we have kept on saying some cities suddenly became a very important tourism uh, destination. For example, you still remember the barbecue in Zibo and the tourism rush in Sanya just about one year ago. Uh, so and now, now the, the turn goes to Harbin, and there are, I think there are a few reasons. First of all, is that Harbin is you know a city uh, very famous for snow economy. You know when you think about a winter, you want to see the snow. You think about Harbin in the first place because uh, most of the Chinese cities are either too warm to have the snow or they are too dry to have the snow. Like Beijing, I mean Beijing doesn't really snow too much in the winter, although its weather is cold enough to preserve the snow, but it just doesn't. And have enough snow. Uh, so Harbin is, is a very important city for snow economy. But uh, another thing to explain why it suddenly became so popular mm. is basically because I think the new media really changed the way that people uh, go to make their tourism uh, plans, you know. Because in the past, when we didn't have the live streaming, you know, these kind of short videos, these kind of things, the social media, what we do is that we pick where we like to go and we just go there. So it's about one billion people people uh, make their different decisions and then people just go to different places. So there was no city uh, that became very popular uh, in a sudden period of time. Uh, but now with all the social media, live streaming, all these kind of things, you, you keep on going, uh, log on to the social media and some bunch of people say, okay, we're going to visit Harbin this winter and they post a lot of videos and that actually attracts you to go there. So it's a lot of people going to the same direction, um, destination at the same time. That's what happened when we got a lot of social media. So a lot of social media, Andy, actually many netizens praised Harbin's tourism boom as a miracle. So how do you see this phenomenon? And has social media become a new way to attract more people touring a less famous city? Well, Zhao Yang, I think that social media, of course, is very important in explaining this. But I would also like to point out two other factors that I think are very important as well. So the Second is perhaps what we could call mass media or the entertainment industry. So uh, in the last couple of years, there were two very popular movies. Um, the Chinese name is Dongdei Lian Ge, or Northeastern Bro Love Story, or something like this, um, that did very well uh, in the box office. And I think this sparked a nostalgia for many people in China about the northeastern part of, China, uh, of the country. And here it's very important to point out for our foreign listeners that China, of course, is not very diverse geographically, as we just heard. The beaches of Sanya are like Hawaii or Florida, while uh, northeastern China is like uh, the northeastern part of the United States, like Maine, uh, forest, a lot of snow. But culturally, it's very different, too. And I think Dongbei, uh, the northeastern part of China, is seen as the old, new China. So there are parts of China, like Xi'an, 
that have very good ancient Chinese history. But the northeastern part of China really has retained the uh, industrialization feeling of the 1950s in many ways. I think this is uh, another very, very important driver. So one is complementing social media is uh, mass media, movies, I think that create an awareness, an interest, and a nostalgia Mm. uh, for this culture. And uh, again, just the diverse, not just the geographical diversity of China, but the cultural diversity of China creates this kind of internal market where people from one part of the country want to go experience another part of it. Mm. And so, yeah, actually, how do you think the surge in tourism helped the local economy and business in Northeast China? Right. This is very important for the local economies. Um, so Harbin hosted more than 3 million tourists who spend uh, almost, you know, 6 billion yuan. Um, so with that, you also see the multiplier effect um, because, you know, once you have the tourism boom, then you start to develop the service industries. So hospitality industries like hotels, restaurants, um, you also have the development of transportation industries, you know, delivery, logistics, and also light manufacturing uh, because tourists coming, um, they're also purchasing a lot of cultural products. So all of this will help to boost the local economies, not just confined in the small, you know, tourism industries, but also in a broader economy. Um, and moreover, I think, you know, this also has few over effects, not just, you know, in Harbin. Uh, as a matter of fact, because of the, you know, overcrowdedness, uh, some tourists also go to other cities um, in Heilongjiang. So, for example, Qiqihar city. Um, also saw a 180% increase in the tourist booking. So I think it's going to be a regional. Um, so the, the effects will be, uh, you know, more broad than just uh, in one city. So I think all of this would really be very helpful to generate the kinds of multiply effects and also industrial uh, linkages and sectoral linkages. Um, that would help to benefit the entire Northeast economy. Mm. And so, Jiahe, do you think Harbin's example will produce positive impact on a new round of uh, revitalization in Northeast China? Well, I think this is uh, latest experience of Harbin just shows us how much tourism income can the Northeast of China actually receive if they got their tourism industry right. Because if you look at the country's uh, plan to develop the economy in the Northeast region, uh, one of the most important thing is the tourism industry. And in the past, the Northeast region was not really famous for the tourism industry. Mm. I mean, most of the provinces in China that are really famous for tourism industry is like Yunnan province, Hainan province, uh, also the Fujian province, these kind of places. But the northeast provinces, well, they got their tourism industry, but not taking a very large share of the economy. But this experience of Harbin just tells us that they can really gain a lot of money from the tourism industry if they got their opportunities right. And, and, and the snow economy is definitely the most important thing that these provinces should grab because they, they really got a lot of snow during the during the winter. Another opportunity that they really have is a summer 
uh, holiday. It's basically because if you go to the northeast provinces, uh, it's really cool during the summer. You don't have to use the air conditioner at all. You'll probably be able to make uh, also a successful tourism season for themselves. Mm. And Jiahe, I really think Harbin's boom is not an isolated phenomenon. As you mentioned, from Zibo to Harbin, these domestic destinations didn't become popular、uh, just because they are cheap. Rather, it's about consumers pursuing something beyond the Ordinary something with cultural characteristics and the rich cultural accumulation, high quality services, right? Yeah, I mean you need a lot of things to become a famous、uh, tourism city. I mean there are like thousand cities in China and cities and towns in China, and each of them really want to make a lot of money from the tourism industry. Only a few of them、uh, came out at last. So you can see this is not an easy job. You you need many things. For example, you need something special. I mean, Harbin has got this so special snow economy that has been there for decades. I mean, when I was a kid, which was like you know three decades ago,、uh, I know、uh, people go to Harbin to to have what they call I think it's called、uh, they call it the, the big ice world or something during the winter. They go there and they see all these cities built with ice and snow. I mean, that was amazing. Uh, to a kid, which was about ten years old, you know,、uh, and they got a history for that. They, they are really famous for that. And you also need a lot of、uh, accommodations for the tourists. You need a lot of hotels. I mean, Harbin is a city with like eleven million population, so they got this facility.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you need a lot of advertisement、uh, in the social media, which Harbin this time did it right. And many people、uh, suddenly said, "Okay, we want to spend this winter within、uh, in this city because I have been watching." Uh, so much videos on the internet, and I'm I'm attracted. So a lot of people went there. And you also need good transportation. I mean, Harbin is like thousands of kilometers away from many cities in China. So if you don't have a punctual high-speed trains or、uh, airline, it's difficult for people to get there. So you need all these conditions to become a famous tourism spot.、Mm-hmm. So Andy, so how will this phenomenon actually help the local economy? And what does it say about the changes in Chinese society? Zhao Yang, I would first say that while I largely agree with Jaha, I do think that this tourism effect in northeastern China will be broader than just Harbin. Again, I think a little bit more about the cultural differences, and many people、uh, in China today, because of rising incomes,、uh, higher education levels,、uh, are looking for novelty, looking for stimulation. So this can I think be a longer-term, more broad-based driver for economic development、uh, in Northeast China. Looking ahead, though, I think while tourism can be a pillar for this part of the country, it cannot be the only driver. And if we look more regionally, that this region I think also has a lot of potential for sustainable economic growth. There's natural resources.、Uh, there's trade. Uh, if there's greater integration in this part of the world, that could also be a very powerful driver for the region, but also for China as well. So we know that looking ahead,、uh, there are a lot of、uh, dark clouds on the horizon globally in terms of economic risk.、Um, one way to offset that is to look for alternative sources of growth. And I think here, Northeast China, this region,、uh, has some interesting opportunities.
Mm. We are speaking with Andy Mark, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, Yan Liang, Professor of Economics, Development University, and also Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novim Archie Technologies. And after a short break, we'll take a look at China's plans to facilitate common prosperity through greater digital economy. Stay with us. Go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. China has released an implementation plan aimed at facilitating common prosperity through a greater and better digital economy. The plan outlines strategic measures to leverage the potential of the digital economy for inclusive and balanced prosperity across various sectors and regions in China. One key focus of the plan is the deep integration of digital technology with the real economy. And the plan also emphasized the importance of advancing digital development in rural areas. So, Yan, first of all, why do you think does China want to further push for the development of the digital economy? Right. So, first of all, I think we need to understand what digital economy、uh, means. And so, what that means is we're utilizing information and communication technologies, or ICT, to transform the traditional economic activities like production, distribution, consumption, and so on. So, we're utilizing technologies like big data, cloud computing, artificial intelligence. Blockchain and 5G communications to create new industries, but also transform the traditional industries to make it more efficient、um, and more, you know, expensive.、Um, so the current digital economy in China reached seven trillion dollars back in 2021, and that's close to 40 percent of the GDP. So what that means is that you know the digital or technology industries are very important as the driving force for the economy, but the integration of these technologies to the broader economy is really what will、uh, promote the kinds of innovation-driven economy, but also make the economy more inclusive. So, for example, the digitalization of the rural development projects,、uh, building these rural villages to provide more access、um, to the rural、uh, industries, the rural.、Um, Uh, residents, and also to is uh, to uh, promote kind of productivities in the agriculture sector,、um, in the agriculture industries. All this will help to promote you know more sort of quality growth、um, that is driven by innovations, technologies, productivities, but also the growth will be. More widely shared,、mm-hmm. and so Andy, China wants to facilitate the common prosperity through a greater and better digital economy. So, what specifically can be done on this front? Well, I think one of the most important areas、uh, here is the integration of artificial intelligence with robotics. So, this can have a dramatic impact on manufacturing, allowing. Companies to manufacture higher quality, lower cost goods with a lower impact on the environment. So this, of course,、uh, is good for all of society.、Uh, we heard a little bit about agriculture as well. This is also very important in terms of allowing uh, farmers, uh, agricultural entities, to do more with less. So、mm-hmm. this, of course, 
not only addresses common prosperity, but national security for China as well, since food security along with energy security are both vital national security issues. So I think this is uh, an area that China is developing strength in, in the digital economy, especially artificial intelligence, combining it with existing strength in uh, manufacturing, industrial robotics. So I think this is one of the most important and the more exciting areas uh, mm. to pay attention to. Mm. So, yeah, actually, AI with robotics. Uh, so could you give us some specific examples of what can it do? Right. So I think what um, this new technology can do is really to promote advanced manufacturing and smart manufacturing. Um, so that is in the industrial production side. So right now, a lot of the digital technologies are applied to the consumer facing um, industries and services like e-commerce, uh, also e-payments and ride share economies and other gig economies. So that, you know, China has developed uh, in a very uh, uh, robust way. And now I think the next step is really to um, integrate this data in the process of production, distribution, um, and social service uh, sort of management. And so what that means is that companies are able to utilize, you know, the, this uh, artificial intelligence or cloud computing to both share data, process data, but also use it to really help to um, organize their production to make it more efficient, to make it more resources uh, efficient, and also um, to achieve the kinds of um, smart and precision kinds of manufacturing. And there's also a lot of applications, I think, uh, potentially in, for example, agriculture. So we could have very, uh, you know, uh, data-driven weather, weather pattern forecast. Um, also, you know, uh, digitalized uh, control of irrigation, fertilization, um, and also logistics, you know, shippings and uh, transportations. So all of this will be able to help to boost efficiency of production, both in the manufacturing industry, but also in the agricultural industry, along with what I mentioned earlier, the consumer facing service industries. Um, so I think the digital economy is really the future. And that is, you know, what China is, um, uh, the, the government is trying to push. And in addition to, you know, uh, putting a lot of public investments in, for example, 5G stations. Um, there's also projects, exciting projects like East Data West computing projects. So all of these will help to usher in a new stage of development of the digital economy. Mm -hmm. So Jiahe, which sectors has been, you know, flourishing during the boom in the digital economy and what promising market trend can be identified? Well, uh, talking about sectors, I think one of the most important sectors is the consumption sector. I mean, if you go to China's consumption economy today, uh, you can actually feel very uh, different uh, picture compared with what you can feel in West Europe or America. I mean, for example, I haven't been able to see a currency, I mean, a note in probably one to two years time, you just don't have any coin or note on you, not at all. So all the things have has been, you just spend all your digital money, it's very hard for me to see any note in daily lives right now. And you see uh, internet shopping has actually been 
developed in, and evolved in China for so many generations. I mean, uh, it used to be when Taobao came out and Jingdong came out, you can uh, click on the internet and get your goods delivered maybe one day or two days later. And people later on said, okay, we want something better. So nowadays uh, you can find about 80% of what you need in your daily lives to be delivered at your doorstep by about within about one hour. You just click on the Jingdong and someone will pick it up from the uh, closed store that's next to your home thanks to the digitalized uh, map and the locating these kind of facilities. So you have seen that the consumption industry in China has been a completely uh, I would say completely changed because of this digital economy. Uh, another thing would be the factories. I mean, if you go to the factories nowadays, you can see that factory owners start to use more and more digital uh, facilities and equipments because that actually improves your productivity. I mean, even go to the agriculture, the AI machines has helped the farmers to pick uh, fruits like a strawberry, which is used to be very hard to be picked by, uh, and you have to employ someone to, to pick all the strawberries one by one from the ground. That's why they, they sell at such a high price in the supermarket. But nowadays, AI machine can partly do that. So that reduces all the cost. So uh, actually, if you go to many other industries, you also see the changes. But I think consumption and industry are the two very special areas. You can see a lot of change that has been brought by the digital economy. Mm. And yeah, you earlier mentioned the East Data West computing projects and also the digital development in rural areas. So why do you think is advancing the digital development in rural areas so crucial for China? Right. So I think the reason are twofold. Uh, one is really for efficiency reasons. So the East Data West computing project was launched in uh, 2022. So this idea is that a lot of economic data are generated in the eastern area of China. Um, but the West uh, and hinterland has a lot more land and renewable resources that will be able to help to build the data storage and computing facilities. So this idea is that, you know, we're trying to build more data center, data clusters in the hinterland or the Western areas to process the data and to compute the data um, to, you know, uh, promote the kinds of digitalization of the entire economy. So that would help to conserve resources um, because, again, like I said, a lot of renewable energies were uh, generated in the west side of the country. Um, so that would really allow to have more energy efficiency to uh, provide the kinds of energy that's needed for the computing capacity. And the second reason I think is really for the regional coordination and uh, coordinated development, you know, at the at the regional level. So, um, you know, that is sort of to balance um, and to kind of promote the growth, not only in the East Coast, but also, you know, in the West and the hinterland. And because when you um, have a lot of data transfer from the East to the West, you would also transfer certain industries, certain support facilities, and also certain, you know, labor and talent. So that would help to uh, boost economic development in the West. Now, when it comes to rural areas, I think it's very similar. Um, the rural areas are relatively underdeveloped uh, in China. And so if we're able to boost the digital economy in the rural area, I mean, one very simple example is when you see a lot of the live streaming that would help to um, broaden the market access for agricultural products. That is one, I think, very important um, utilization of the digital tools uh, to promote agricultural economy. 
But I think it's way more than that. Uh, we could also see a lot of the developments in, for example, AI-driven healthcare providing services, um, education services, and all of this will help to, you know, not only boost the rural economies, but also really to lift the living standards of re- rural residents. Mm. Well, we're speaking with Yan Liang, professor of economics, Villamet University, and Di Mark, senior research fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, and also Chen Jiahe, chief investment officer at Novim Archi Technologies. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.